0: I am joined by rosie dawn she's a singer here in san diego who i've had the pleasure of working with a couple of times um, she leads the rosie dawn band and you guys perform um, just about everything and you're also the executive artistic director and founder of the center stage children's theater and thornton's youth performance ensemble um, you were previously the music director for pacific children's theater and, um also at La Mesa First United Methodist, and uh, you've been teaching and performing here in San Diego basically for the last twenty years. Is that right?
1: That's correct, yeah,
0: yeah, well, thanks for being here. So what's been going on during quarantine? What have you been up to?
1: Well, um it's been peaceful. It's been restful um I've uh you know we're getting into kind of a longer period of time than I think we all expected to. So there's been, um, you know, some, some highs and, uh, and, you know, I don't want to say lows. I feel like I've really tried to stay really positive through this and and kind of grateful because, uh, we all have experienced this quarantine differently. Mm-hmm. I've been fortunate that I, have had actually some downtime. I mean, it's sad that I can't do the work that I did because I'm not with the children I don't get to perform, but I'm also not forced to go out and be with the public constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm able to stay home. So I've tried to use the time to do all of the things that I say I would do if I could just go up in the mountains, you know, and be by myself and be super creative. Um, so I have, done some of that but I haven't done as much of that as I maybe thought I would if I had so much time so (laughs) um so I've had moments where I'm like got into a really creative space and then I'm just like oh this this all stinks and then I just kind of walked away from it for a while um
0: I saw that you posted a song that you just wrote
1: I did so that that was kind of coming off of the not doing anything. And then just kind of, I have, so I do have this really awesome um, songwriters book club that I joined several years ago, led by a uh, unison culturist who's anyone is welcome to join it. So if you're thinking about wanting to write a song or read more books, anybody's welcome to join. You don't have to be, there's no requirements. Oh, cool. just, just have fun. So the good thing about that is that, um, I was kind of not doing anything, but it forces you to do something because there's a deadline and, you know, and so we've been meeting on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And so um, that one was kind of cool because we just chose a book of our choice based on kind of relevant topics at the time. I ended up choosing a children's book because I forgot about the book club and realized I had like a, a, a week and I wanted to read <laughs> something and I ended up really liking the children's book and it inspired the song. So um, so yeah, that's that's how that happened. Yeah. So.
0: And you, and, and in the video, your husband's playing guitar for you. Your yes, husband's a guitar player. Do you guys write together?
1: We, we do a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we, we're learning to, um, I think we're learning how to, to write with each other. We've, we've done it a little bit often on, but we sometimes, I think we get impatient with each other because we know each other so well. Mm-hmm. So we have written a variety of songs together, but a lot of times um, like that song was kind of like. I wrote the chords and I wrote the the lyrics, I wrote most of it. And then I said, Hey, can you help me make this better? (laughs) So he kind of helped with the, I guess the arrangement of it and, and, uh, you know, just making a a little, you know, and some, even some good melodic ideas that he had. So when we do collaborate and do stuff together, it's much better than me trying to do it just by myself or vice versa. But I think we're learning how to, to, you know, be more patient with each other because I think we have an opportunity to to do more of that with each other, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah. especially right now. Definitely. I know. You know, it's it's funny that you said that because to me, I've always felt like um, people who are closest to me, my husband plays guitar and um, people that I, I have a very, very close relationship with. It is harder for me to be more creative in that space because these people, I feel like they know me so well. And in my mind, when I'm like in the creative writing space, I'm kind of reaching into a part of me that I don't often, you know, yeah. expose to the world. And it just, um, I haven't gotten comfortable with that, you know, kind of revealing, um, myself that way to, to, uh, I don't know why I feel more comfortable when it's people that I, I don't know that well, but um it's a weird dynamic, you
1: know? It's it's so weird. And some people are really good at it. Some yes. husband and wife duos do great at it, but it's a dynamic that we are still working on after years and years and years of, yeah. I don't know. I noticed like I'm I think we get a little like oversensitive. I know I get oversensitive and take stuff the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um or we misunderstand what each other's saying, which is so silly because we spend so much time together. So we should be like, oh yeah, get where they're coming from. But you know, I mean, you get it, you know, you're saying the same thing with you and your husband. Oh, I'm not saying that you have that dynamic, but that it's just not as easy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) I know. I know it's just trick. It's, it's, it's a weird thing. But I mean, I also feel at the same time, like, well, we have all this time, like what better time than like right now? I know. I know. And I
0: think that it is, it's one of those things that I think even if those awkward feelings, that's, that's a good word for it. For me, that that describes my feelings. At least there is this awkwardness that um, I think you're just meant to push through it. I don't think that's something that should tell me or anybody that, oh, this collaboration isn't right because I have weird feelings. It's probably it's probably a good indicator that, um, you know, we can't come up with something good. So I'm just, I think during this quarantine, one of my big things is I'm trying to get better with, uh, being uncomfortable, you know? Being
1: uncomfortable. Oh, totally. Well, I'm, I mean, and that's actually a big reason why I have enjoyed joined the the songwriters book club, because I was like, I'm thinking, I've written songs in the past when I was much younger, but with a little more collaboration from bandmates and, um, and I've just never really considered myself a songwriter, but I mean, you know, we're musicians and vocalists and we have melodies and ideas in our head and we hear stuff and, you know, being able to come up with something that you said you did yourself is a really gratifying feeling. But I think it's also um, when you haven't told yourself yet that you're like a legit songwriter, it's, um, it's hard not to hear all those voices saying, well, that just sounds like everything else you've heard. You're stealing something that's not original or those lyrics are terrible or, you know, instead of just forcing yourself to like, well, let me sit down and actually like really, really work on some better lyrics or better phrasing or just Mm -hmm. keep re-editing this song and it will become something. Cause that's part of how a song also I've discovered becomes better is just by doing it over and over again. And then it just becomes, you know, it evolves into something. Yeah. You know yours and is, is, you know, good, maybe just as good as something else out there or or not, but you did it (laughs) and you will get better at the next one. So
0: I think that's great. And another thing that I just recently heard this, um, it was a songwriter talking about, uh, just kind of the different levels that we're on in our songwriter journey. And that, um, you know, a, a real, professional or somebody who's really prolific at, at songwriting, um, doesn't wait for inspiration to come to them. You know, they go right. looking for it. They, they sit down and find it. It's kind of like, you know, they don't wait for the muse to show up. They, they show up and then, and then the, you know, muse will come along. And, and I, I loved hearing that because I think that I've, um, I've used that excuse so many times where like, oh, totally I my, my exact line is like, I'm just not, I'm just not in that flow right now of songwriting. And that's basically just me being like, nope, I'm not doing it right now.
1: Right. You're just waiting, like waiting for that inspiration to just drop down. And then it's going to be like the most amazing song.
0: (laughs) Yeah. A download, a divine download.
1: (laughs) Totally. I know. Well, I mean, I'm the same, you know, and that's why I'm like, okay, I gotta just that's another reason why the book club was kind of good. Cause it was like, well, now you have to write something based on this book, even though there's really no rules, but it was like something and then mm-hmm. go off to that. And, you know, I wrote some terrible songs and then some of some them maybe better than I recognize them to be. I don't know, but at least, you know, just, I think just sitting down and just doing it, just acting on it yeah. gets better. Cause I always say what you have to write a hundred terrible songs before you end up really maybe writing a good one. So yeah, still working on my hundred.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you're, um, you're a busy gigging singer and I know you were working, you know, before all of this hit and you, um, are directing the children's group. So in March, what were you up to? What did you have going on when all of this,
1: um, well, Uh, it's funny because I was definitely at a place where I, um, with the children's theater, you know, they would have like their big performances and, uh, the run of like two weekends. So those were weekends where I wouldn't do gigs. So, you know, I would have less gigs or there was actually a few weekends in there where I think I actually had like a children's production. And then I like raced to a gig that wasn't very far away. That was kind of crazy, but I did do that a couple of times, but, um, right. Actually, that, what, Friday, before we were in our first kind of, like, lockdown shelter in place, we had, um, we were getting ready to go into our second weekend of production for Aladdin Jr. So, yeah. So the kids, of course, it was sad because the boy playing Aladdin, his grandmother had just flown out from the East Coast to see Uh him. The girl playing Jasmine, her dad hadn't seen the first weekend, so he was gonna see it. And there was a number of other kids in the cast who had the same situation. So um, it it was sad, but I tried really hard to just kind of focus on the positive with the kids and say, hey, you know, you got to do one full weekend of performances. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of theaters around town where they've been practicing up to this point and they haven't gotten to do anything. Also, um, one of the grandparents did do a video of the show. So that went out to all the families and they were able to watch that with their relatives that didn't get to, you know, come to the live performance. So um so it's definitely sad. Um but there was, you know, that was the positive side that I tried to keep with it. And then um on top of that, I think I had like three after school programs that were just starting up. So I had one group that, you know, they were really excited because we're gonna do Peter Pan. And so they were just all super amped and they'd all down their parts. And, uh, I tried to keep it going by sending them like, here's a dance to learn. Uh, let's have like a zoom session. But that was right at the beginning of the whole thing. And the kids, uh, were just kind of let down by the fact that as we went through the weeks, we kind of realized, you know, this isn't going to happen. We're not going to be, cause that was what March. And so they were going to be performing in June. Mm-hmm. And then we realized like, this probably isn't happening. So, um, that. And then I had another school also that was going to do the same show. And, and yeah, so we realized it just, it just wasn't happening. So it was a bit of a letdown for the kids, but, um, and then Yeah. yeah what's that?
0: I said, it has to be, I, I, in fact, I just got a, um, I just got an email today that, uh, CYT San Diego is closing their doors indefinitely. Um, and, and I know, you know, that's, that's tons wow. of kids involved in that program. And, um, just the heartbreak for kids, especially, you know, the real young ones who, um, it's, you know, I've got two young kids you have, uh, kids too. And it's so, it's such a hard thing to explain. They're having to learn these lessons of, um, disappointment and the world being unfair and, and learning resiliency, um, so early on in, 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 yeah. in a very, very, uh, that's the word I'm looking for.
1: feels like a twilight zone type of blessing. Yes, yes. <laughs> mean,
0: it's something we, as the parents haven't even. We're <laughs> like, I, yeah. In our lifetime I've been through this, it's hard.
1: No, in our lifetime, we've never had anything this, uh, you know, wild happen yeah, yeah. on this level. You now, one of my former students, uh, who had participated in the theater, really great young girl. She, um, had gotten the part of Matilda over at Junior Theater. So that was huge for her. She was so excited and they had been practicing and they never ended up getting to do a live performance. They ended up doing like a little virtual thing, but so she really kind of learned that lesson early on of like being a performer and getting that huge letdown, like, like what you're saying. So
0: it's tough. And I know, um, local San Diego people here know that we're the schools aren't going back, um, Uh, everybody's going to be distance learning to begin with. I don't know exactly what's happening nationwide with all the schoolings. I'm sure there's similar things happening um, elsewhere, but what I do know from um, the singing teacher organization that I'm a part of um, all the studies that have been done and, and on like the collegiate level, um, many of them are not going back either because of the, you know, the way that, um, the spaces have to be, uh, outfitted you know to keep everybody safe but i see that people are being very very innovative right now with you know what what they're going to do um what would you think for kids this year what would be some good things to do besides you know being a part of a theater production where do you think they should turn to at this point
1: Hmm. I know Well, I, I'm constantly every day trying to think of like, how can I reinvent things? What can I do? I mean, I've even thought, can I do like theater classes outside, you know, with 12 kids distanced, but I've done summer camps where we're in the park and we do games in the park and then we come back and it's, that's always been a bit, it was challenging with like the noise and that kind of thing. So, um, that's a tricky one. And, you know, I know we've, we've discussed, you know, kids being on, the internet for too long. Cause there are tons of great resources and there's plenty of things they could do and even some virtual camps. But, um, but then again, it's, it's more internet time, just like their yeah. school is internet time. So it's, it's tough, you know, and then you can't necessarily tell the parents, well, go do some acting games or some dancing with your children, you know, cause they might be busy working. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like I really have a great answer for that one, but I am constantly kind of trying to think of what what I can do and what I can offer. So if anybody has any great ideas and they think that my theater would be a good vessel for that, I'm definitely open to
0: yeah ideas on that. I see a I see a lot of cool things happening, um, and I guess it's really it's really going to be a matter of like how well the kids take to it. And are they, um, even though it may be innovative, are they getting a good experience out of it? Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen, um, like you said, kind of the taking a larger space and distancing everybody and um, doing something like that. One other thing that I've seen a lot of that I think is really cool is, um, it, doing a virtual production where the kids, you know, they have their script and you you are meeting on zoom to do rehearsals and everything like that, but then they actually film their own parts. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, everything is pieced together in the end, which obviously they don't have the interaction, but, um, but on another creative plane, at least they're they're getting t- they're learning how to self tape and you know do things
1: like that. Yeah, they are. They're learning a lot of um, the kind of technical side of it. Well, we have done um, a little bit of that. I have a high school group that was set to perform in April, the twenty fifth annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, and that's a cast of nine kids. So luckily, it's a small cast, so it's easy to deal with um, in that sense. And they're high schoolers. Um, so we didn't want to say like, we're not doing the show. It was canceled. It's done, you know, cause like three of the kids in the show are seniors as well. So they're, you know, they're not going to be back at the theater after this. So we have been like having weekly zoom sessions and we did film all of the acting part in a, in a kind of a zoom, uh, style so that it, the acting portion itself was actually simultaneous and together. Hmm. And then the music we are doing um i had the kids actually record themselves in band lab because band lab was offering uh, like an education service and that was really kind of a neat tool because i actually felt like the kids were able to um go in there record their parts hear them and probably kind of hear what they were doing that wasn't correct and then go back and re-record it so i thought well that's a that's kind of a good way and then I would play like their vocal line and they could listen to it and get the parts that way so yeah it was a much slower process but at the same time I think they were really kind of training their ears better mm-hmm. and then um, I had them do that first because I wanted them to really get their parts down right and now we're currently going in and everybody is putting their part in acapella mm-hmm. and then they're going to send it back to me and I'm going to edit it off edit it all. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to take each song and insert it into the acting portion that we've recorded on zoom. So it's a bit of a tedious process. It's challenging and I'm sure there's better ways to go about it. I'm just learning myself, Mm -hmm. um, and trying to trying to do what I know and, you know, Google searching and learning about this whole process, but, uh, we're hoping to have something finished, you know, maybe next month. And, then we can say we did it. We got to do our, our, our little show, not quite how we planned, but we kids got to do it.
0: That's great. You're yeah. And that's just it. You're so. doing it. You're making it happen for the kids. And I know that that's got to mean, you know, the world to them when they're, when their options are kind of limited right now, that's a, that's a really big thing. I yeah. think, um, I know you, um, are, you also do singing lessons and, um, everything, all the sessions that I'm doing right now are online. And I of course, my advice with, with anybody of any age right now is to continue on with, um, your lessons and your coaching and everything, even though most everything is online. Um, it's not, it's not what it is like in person, but there's other advantages to doing it online. Um, and the technology, even since March has Mm -hmm. come such a long way because as, as, um, teachers and instructors, coaches and everything have been in this furious scramble to make things better and op- and optimize things. And um, so I've been really happy with, you know, the way my sessions work and everything. And it just seems to be getting better and better every day. So, you know, I really hope that, um, you know, the parents and, and adults out there and, um, you know, don't stop pursuing things uh, because of the conditions around us. But it is just kind of one of those times in life to be innovative and be as creative as you can. Yeah, yeah.
1: definitely. And, and I think some people are probably hopefully looking at it as the time to do those things. They didn't feel like they normally had time for otherwise, you know, yeah. I'm going to start getting good at singing or playing guitar or writing or whatever it is. But um, yeah, you're right about the technology. And if somebody could just fix, like come up with an app, that we can do live where there's no musical latency issues they will be like the richest person on earth.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, fortunately, there there are some platforms out there. There's um one that I'm getting more familiar with that is called um Soundjack. Okay. And uh it is it <laughs> I don't want to say it's complicated, it's, it's really not. I mean, at first glance, it's kind of like, oh, that seems like a pain in the butt. But one of, one of the first keys is um, going direct with an ethernet cable, so bypassing the Wi-Fi thing and connecting directly to your router. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. And then they have a, um, a very, very simple interface um, that you connect to oh. and kind of, it's kind of like a zoom call. Um, but each person on either end um, has to do a little bit of work um, dialing in their buffering settings and everything. So it yeah. takes a little bit of practice back and forth. So I wouldn't recommend this for like a teacher and a 10 year old on the other side. Right. Yeah. Unless, Hey, you know, right. <laughs> kids are, but it's, it's worth, putting in, you know, the effort to um, get it figured out, because I think, you know, once you have a little bit under your belt, but they, they've reduced the latency down to, oh my gosh, it was like point, point 0.8 milliseconds or something oh, wow. like that. So it's not something that you really detect much. And then they, they have all of these other things too, that have, um, improved the fidelity of the music, uh, a lot. So the stuff's out there. It's just not as, you know, it just doesn't seem as accessible to right. at
1: the moment, not- but
0: I'm sure the more time that goes by, the more we're going to hear about it.
1: Yeah. And especially as people want to keep collaborating and doing stuff in real time, you know, that's a, that's a whole new door that will be opened for everyone. So yeah, that's exciting.
0: Yeah, it really is. I'm I'm hopeful about stuff like yeah. that. I have a some friends who have been doing a lot of testing. Um, she's on the East Coast, and so she's got some colleagues out there, and they're doing calls and you know having three people on at a time, and um, it's it's pretty incredible. She's posted so some. Cool. Um, her name is Eden Castile, and so if okay. you go to YouTube and look up Eden Castile, she has posted the um, basically the experiments that uh, they've been doing, and it's it's awesome to see. So. Cool. I want to check that out. For sure. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, I noticed that, um, you have a classical background in singing and have sung with, um, the San Diego Lyric Opera. Um, so was that your first, um, love or your first study of singing?
1: No, actually. (laughs) Um, so let's see the first, my, the, no, really my first love of singing was actually, um, Well, both my parents were musicians, but I was raised primarily by my mom, and we did a lot of like folk singing, and that's kind of how I learned harmonies, and then eventually in college, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I want to be like a dance therapist, and you know, it's totally not what I ended up being, Um, but I ended up studying music, but before that, I was in a few bands where we did uh, covers. And then eventually I was in this more like kind of jam band where we did original music, but we played a lot of festivals and obscure songs by popular, you know, musicians, because some of their, you know, B side stuff. Um, so that was kind of my big background was doing that kind of stuff and kind of, I don't know, hippie jam band music. That was yeah. really like the, my first real, you know, what I was kind of inundated with um, and probably most connected to singing that type of stuff. Uh, and so then I went to college and studied classical music. And then when I went to San Diego state, um, I was still kind of trying to sing in bands and do the classical thing. And I, my teachers even sat down with me and they're like, you, you can't do those things. Cause at the time, and I think teachers have changed a lot, a lot of voice teachers, they've realized that, you know, as to be a professional singer, you need to be super versatile. Mm-hmm. So you can't just be, you know, if you do want to go sing at the Met, then yes, you need to just too strictly classical that's your life um, but if you want to get jobs and besides you know being a famous opera singer you know you need to be able to sing in you know a band you need to be able to you know just do just about everything so at the time though they weren't really thinking that way those particular teachers and so they're like you need to focus on your on that you know to finish your degree so I did kind of, I quit the band thing for a while and just focused on that. And then I sang with Lyric Opera and then also sang, uh, sang with San Diego um, Opera Chorus downtown. And um, that was really cool because that was like a paid gig singing opera and met a lot of neat people. Um, but no, I kind of came from it the other way. So I think, um, and then eventually I, I got to a point with teachers and with myself where I realized that the classical helped me to be a better... Uh, a vocalist in the bands yeah got some of that technique um but then when I kind of started back singing in bands again and kind of doing a lot of the pop music I was kind of losing my voice a lot which you know as a singer and somebody that's learned how to sing properly you know you don't even want to admit that to anybody that you're using your voice improperly but I was having a hard time especially with the pop music because I did not really sung a lot of like that type of stuff I would sung a lot of like you know, Janis Joplin and kind of beefier stuff like in that sense, but not so much like the more contemporary pop songs like Bruno Mars and that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went back to voice lessons to kind of work on that part of my voice and it helped a lot. And it was all the stuff I knew already, but I needed somebody there to tell me and guide me and, and help me. So
0: I had a, um, I had I was classically trained too. And I of course went down a totally different path yeah. in my musical life so I mean I haven't been Im- immersed in that since um you know since college years um but what I think I feel the same way about you where I love having the foundation of it because I think in um contemporary style music lessons uh you come at the singing from a different angle Mm -hmm. the emphasis is on um different things and uh, and what I love with classical singing is you do you you go um to the through the body at a deeper level you you're you're Mm -hmm. working on and and really gaining an understanding of the anatomy of singing the science of singing and um uh, so much more intricate work with um you know what you're doing with your tongue, what you're doing with all of the resonating spaces of, you yeah. know, of, of your body. And, um, you know, those just aren't things that you forget, you know, you, you, you shift to the other genre and you make those, those adjustments to, um, you know, be more authentic with the genre and everything. But there just are, there's just some really great foundational skills coming from that. And I love having had that background.
1: No. no, I agree. And I think sometimes people misunderstand classical music no. and think, well, it's a very mechanical way of singing because you're not like tied into you spend so much time on the technique, which which is true. And I don't think you know, I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever sat down with a pop song and spent nearly the m- amount of time that I have with a classical song that's in another language, you know, and making breath marks and elisions and you know vowel shaping and where I'm gonna do and but then once you get it so ingrained in your body and then you're connected to the emotion and it feels you know your voice feels gigantic when you yeah. can sing in that type of style that opera style it's really kind of you know it's a different kind of a high I guess that you you get from it um, so there is sometimes once in a while when no one's here I'll get out the old aria book and just you know, I'm sure everything's incorrect at this point in my life, you know, from those days, but it feels good and it's fun. So. Yeah,
0: I know there are some, um there's a piece from Labo M that I'll sing sometimes. And I know my language and pronunciations are probably so, so far off at this point too, but I just love singing it just because of the way it just, you know, flows off the tongue and just the way you feel oh. you that way. It's,
1: you know. It's so beautiful. What did you, were you a mezzo or soprano? Or?
0: A mezzo, yeah. You
1: were. So was it, um, I'm trying to think what song, what song is it? Oh my gosh. It actually, is... I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember like, I don't I'm remember. trying to think so, of what the title is.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Mimi. <laughs> okay. But that's for a soprano, isn't it? Cause I think I started working on that to work on my higher range, something I never sang in public. Yes, but that
0: may have been why I was working on it too, because this was outside of um, school for me. It was a, with a private coach that I was working with. So that's uh, possible why. I same, yeah,
1: same here. I was always kind of a um, miss, like they never really knew. It was like, well, you're a lyric mezzo or you're uh, this, you know, which is that's something different too. You know, they really like to categorize exactly what voice type you are, and this is exactly the rep you're going right. to do, unlike what we do in cover bands where you're going to sing, you know taylor swift and aretha franklin like really like those are two totally completely different style you know ways of singing or just voices totally different voices so
0: it is it's a different animal altogether. but yeah um you know there's there's definitely a lot of advantages to having had you know both styles too i think you really get to understand the registers of your voice a lot better yeah and you i I don't know you just you really do kind of get to um, tap into so many dimensions of your voice and really get to know, you know, your instrument and what you're made of. And then if you, if you can be versatile enough to kind of switch back and forth, you know, it's it's good. good. Yeah, no,
1: if you can, if you know how to access those parts, which I even, you know, even in my earlier years studying and singing certain songs, I never thought of myself as being able to access those higher parts of my voice until I worked on that particular song that you're talking about, which was outside of college as well Mm -hmm. um and then that actually helped me with the pop singing and having to sing some of the lighter higher stuff I realized you know so we're always learning like didn't just stop once I got the degree that's for sure yeah
0: yeah. I know it it makes me think of um you know at this point um singers going into school or trying to train in in that capacity I know that it's a lot trickier just because especially if you're a soprano and you're trying to do a voices competitive Zoom yeah. and you're the sound peeking out you know on those mm-hmm. high notes and everything but um I know that in the theater world and just in the classical music world um man they're in a tough tough space right now especially um chorus choir singers and um, yes. that's uh you know that is really really difficult and so I'm I'm so curious to see what um, what they're going to be doing on a collegiate level with, um, people who are music majors this year.
1: Oh, I know. I I did see, speaking of, uh, platforms, technology, somebody just posted and I cannot remember the name of it, but it's another thing that's coming out for choirs specifically where they, you know, play a part and then you can upload it. And then, you know, eventually it all syncs because, Uh again I don't remember the name of it but that's looks like it's going to be kind of a neat tool for choir directors I mean it's not doesn't answer every take care of every single thing but it's a start so yeah Uh,
0: well what are your thoughts for yourself musically how are you thinking about um, going forward because obviously it's it's really difficult to predict when we're going to be back um, performing live I mean Uh, My hopes are that it's at least by the beginning of the year, but who knows? I mean, things change every day. So I don't know if you're like me. I'm I'm kind of in that space where I'm considering a lot of different things and exploring a lot of different things. And um, what are you
1: thinking? Um, I've definitely been thinking of like what other things in life I can do that aren't necessarily going to be running a children's theater or performing live because the reality is that those are things are not happening at least in the, you know, maybe at the beginning of the year, maybe not till spring. I don't know when I can have like, you know, children or audiences meet in under one roof right, for a children's theater. So maybe I'll have to think of ways they can perform, you know, I think I mentioned something earlier about them performing in the park or something like that. But um, I don't know, you know, that's all, kind of nuts with the sound and everything. But as a uh, singer right now, I think I want to focus on pushing and being brave about songwriting and just doing that stuff. And then, you know, we have enough tools at home to put something decent on a track. Nothing, it's not going to be like having a full on cool recording session with a bunch of you know, live players, but my husband plays guitar. He can play some other instruments uh, um, and he's been playing around with a lot of like Reaper and a lot of different platforms. So I think we can at least try to do something like that, like some little creation Mm -hmm. and just kind of put my, my energy into the creative aspects of it for now. And then um, see what the future holds as far as actually gigging. I mean, I have, I have a bunch of wedding gigs lined up, and and every month one says this is postponed till next year, which I'm like, yeah, of course they are, <laughs> so which is fine. Oh, I know. So, we'll well, even I think see that's that. going to be
0: the first thing that comes back, though, is the wedding. So yeah. Work probably on a smaller scale because I think a lot of people are coming to that point where they're like, well, our 300 person wedding is now going to be. 15 people but we still want an entertainment element to it and you know right bring a soloist or duo or something
1: like that right I will. well I mean the casino gigs have actually come back yeah um it's whether you're comfortable doing them I was offered up uh, two gigs um in June mm-hmm. which I did pass on them just because I personally was kind of like that's maybe the last place I'd like to be right now <laughs> with this uncertainty so that was a personal choice I don't judge anybody because I've got you know I see tons of people that I know in the music world posting that they're they're doing their gigs and you know if if they're okay with it that's that's their prerogative um but was just a choice I made that I was like yeah I'm not not feeling that right at the moment um so you know I guess I guess work is coming back for some people in certain (laughs) areas just kind of depending on how you feel about it
0: yeah oh absolutely yeah no judgment I mean uh, when when gigging is your life and your income um you know people are going to choose what is right for them and what they need yeah. to do and how they're going to take care of themselves and their family so i i'm fully with you on that you know it's yeah. a really personal choice for everybody um i had someone ask in the comments um Lori, uh laurie tarango she was asking um if all the singers on this show are local and um not necessarily i mean it's it's been mostly local singers just mm-hmm. because that's who's in my personal um, friends right. Um but uh, we've had uh, carol hatchet who's out in la um and i am you know happy to branch out um you know to anybody anybody who wants to come on and kind of talk about their professional singing life um speaking of local though you are part of um lady brain and i wish Yay! i wish this was something that i actually knew more about and i'm Sorry to say that I don't, but can you tell me what it's all
1: about? Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, it's so cool. So actually, if you're uh, for people that are interested, go on Facebook and look up Lady Brain uh, or you can actually you can go to LadyBrain.com um, to find out more about it. But it was founded by Lindsay White, who's also a local singer songwriter, mm-hmm. um, along with Catherine Beeks, who is also a local singer songwriter who've been immersed in the, you know, part of San Diego for, gosh, I don't know, the last 15, 20 years, both of them. Yeah. And I think Lindsay kind of had a vision that she wanted to do something that, you know, because women have this ability to lift each other up or be, you know, incredibly competitive and tear each other down too. So um, I think she wanted to create something where, you know, artists came together and really empowered each other, lifted each other up and had this whole network. So it's not just musicians. There are a lot of musicians, singer-songwriters and uh, part of it because there are so many in San Diego and that's a big part of her community, but there's a lot of um, visual artists, um, performer, uh, you know, spoken word photography art you know everything you can kind of imagine but um it's just become a really neat thing the first thing that we did last year just about a month ago this time was the Lady Brain Festival which was so cool and that really pushed me because I got a little like three song slot to perform originals and play guitar which was petrified about it and I was like I'm threw myself in the fire and I hadn't even written the songs at that point. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just going to do this. And did it go perfectly? No, I messed up a little bit, but I did it. And, um, my friend Heather Marie and I also did a little new segment where we played a song we wrote together. So it really like pushed myself and it was so neat. And that was all because of lady brain. Um, and that was such a cool festival. So it's a shame that we weren't able to do that this year. They did do a film festival, um, in Lure. they're working on that. So, um, so hopefully that kind of gives you a little, you know, that's, I'm explaining it somewhat well, but, um, but I would encourage you to go check out the website and Danielle, you should definitely be a lady brain. You are, so we need to make you part of that group because <laughs> there's also a lot of really neat, um, people in that group that I think you would enjoy interviewing as well so yeah
0: definitely I I would love to do that I'll definitely be checking it out okay Um, because I you know I see I see everything that's been posted in social media and I'm always curious like what is that but right (laughs) yeah definitely look into it so it's um you have these events like a festival but in is it something that's kind of just a community of people that have come together and that and you just collaborate is it something where you're meeting together or just kind of uh
1: well so there actually have been specific things where they've brought in um you know speakers on different topics that people might be interested in like you know setting up your home recording studio or um you know presenting yourself like you know how to i guess you know media platforms and how to different topics like that so at first we had um like a monthly meeting Mm -hmm. and it was a a membership thing. So now there is I believe there's a membership fee, like an annual kind of thing to help support the group. But right as we were getting started, it was, you know, kind of people in this immediate community to kind of launch it. And now it's grown a bit. But um, yeah, we were having these weekly, or not weekly, but monthly meetups at different places hosted by different people. Um, They even had, um, I think one that was like about songwriting. There's some other things that I like, Carissa was on it. And did like a thing. Um, I'm trying to think of other people, but yeah, we've just done some, just, you know, different things that kind of help us along in our careers and also supporting and meeting each other. So it's kind of there to, I guess, educate and uplift and network. Cool, I love it. That's right. Yeah. Right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get um, you in there.
0: So you, uh, in, as far as like performing goes, obviously they're not, performing at the moment. Um, but since this has all gone down, you've done a couple of live stream performances.
1: Yeah, I did. Well, yeah, I guess I've done two technically. Um, the first one was part of the lady brain. It was just a, it was, I think there was about four of us on it. And so we all had like 20 minute segments and, uh, it was really neat. It was really neat to see the other lady brains. And then it was neat to, I've never done a live stream before. I know a lot of people And other musicians will even like live stream, you know, a gig that they're at. But I've never been that brave because I'm like, oh, people are going to see every single thing I do (laughs) or whatever. Um, So it was neat to be a part of it. It was neat to have the, um, you know, see your friends on there, especially right. It was I want to say it was in late March or early April. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, but it was definitely when everybody was feeling this isolation pretty intensely. Like we were locked down, you know, now I'm like, I don't know who's staying home and what people are going out. It's all a little all over the place. But at that that particular point in time, I think everybody was like really staying at home. So we felt really isolated from each other. So it was so cool to have, you know, see your friends on there, say something and get that kind of interaction that you might've been missing from like a live show Mm -hmm. and all from the comfort of your Mm -hmm. own living room. You don't have to wear uncomfortable shoes and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) kind of a whole different. uh, So that was neat. And not right. Yeah. So only have to worry about this part, you know, (laughs) actually, actually kind of cool. And then my friends that wouldn't normally come out because they're busy, uh, you know, or, you know, I have a lot of friends with kids because I have a kid, so can't always get out to gigs. Mm -hmm. So that made it really easy for them (laughs) (laughs) to just stay in their living room. How did you feel about the live stream experience? Well, I enjoyed it more than I expected to. Like I was, I was at first I was nervous about it, just like everything. And then once you kind of relax into it and you see people are there with you, it, it actually felt a lot more natural than I expected it to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we really should just do it again sometime, but, um, you know, I don't know for whatever weird reason, I haven't gotten the, the nerve to work up a set and do it again. But I did enjoy the fact that, um, you know, then the cover bands it's fun because the crowd is there and they love to dance, but you have that responsibility of like, and it's your choice as a performer to do what you want, but you also thrive off of the energy that the audience is giving you. So if you play the songs, you know, they like, they're going to dance. It makes the whole night just more fun. Um, Where with this, it was, you know, about kind of, I chose songs that just were really meaningful to me that I connected with that were kind of maybe more mellow, Mm down-tempo. And so I enjoyed that a lot. I got a lot out of that.
0: You know what I think is so cool about it is that it's really, I just think it's a a change of um, culture. It's a change of culture with the generational change. Um, I think I'm coming from, a place where as musicians we want to be like really polished and put your very very best um, mm-hmm. thing product forward and um with as little uh, as little of flaws showing as possible which there's definitely nothing wrong with that but i think where we're at now with the younger generation and i really applaud them for this they have this fearlessness to go on and do a lot of these um, live streams. And, you know, I mean, they've got Snapchat, TikTok, all of these things where the premise is just kind of doing these spontaneous, imperfect um, performances or, you know, messages and stuff. And um, I think that's something I'm like, wanting to get more comfortable with i'm i haven't done a live stream um since all this happened and just i think i'm working up to it and definitely want to do it um, but you do you have to kind of like show this uh, vulnerability side of you that um yeah we're not really accustomed to doing that in the live band scene you know oh you yeah have, you have a, a crowd to play to and there's uh there is this it's it's just not
1: uh, it's a different animal it is there's like background noise there's distractions you know where it's like you know they hear every single note that you play or every you know yeah. now if you do it will you have your husband play guitar too yeah maybe
0: if he's up, that would be I'm cool sure. i've i've thought about um asking mark from the band if he yeah. uh, wanted to do something i know he he would probably be down to do that but yeah i mean i'm i'm open to doing anything I guess well I shouldn't say I'm not open to doing anything because I haven't done it yet
1: (laughs) right right but you know getting that together I know well you know what I found too that was neat about it is especially then because I think at that point we were all kind of like what are we doing like I was drinking more wine and staying up late and baking a lot of bread and I didn't really have any like goals or anything to work on so it gave me this like, and that was only my choice, you know. It's, we we all decide what we're gonna do, but um, kind of gave me like incentive, like this is what I'm, I'm gonna work on something I have something to work towards, and so it did that for me. Where and you know now that we're kind of in a different phase of COVID, I've changed my lifestyle around a bit. So yeah. <laughs> earlier to bed, less wine. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, that was neat. It was it gave me some something, and it. it felt good too kind of wake up and be like, oh, I need to work on this, you know, this little set that I'm going to put together.
0: I know I was really, um, I had promised myself that I was going to really, really dive into the piano and really do it this time and get and get serious with it, which I, I have stopped and started several times. And, um, I'm trying, I'm still working on it, still trying to get better at it.
1: Well, at least you started though. Right. And you keep starting. It's, it's better than not doing it at all. Right.
0: I guess so. Mm-hmm. I've gotten further. I'll, I should say that since quarantine, I've gotten a lot further than I have in the past several years, you know, having not right. um, just grossly neglected that um, side of musicianship. But yeah, same, same here. <laughs> I wanted to take a second just to do a couple um, shout outs. So we can say hi to everybody. We've got Melissa Goulet. She's a family member. Um, KBF Pumphrey Vietti is watching, Lori Tarango, Chuck Tucker, I know that guy, Um, (laughs) Amy Durbin, um, Chuck Phillips, hey Chuck Phillips, thank you for the note, I know I'm having to work on my mic volume, but um, thank you so much for doing this with me, I really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time and being willing